Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to switch up the format even more today. Uh, Today is generally when we would do our movie review followed by an After Dark. Uh, but we have been getting some feedback that, hey, uh, they, they love the After Dark. People love the After Dark. They love kind of freewheeling discussion. Uh, but they don't like that we put it after the spoiler section of a movie they might not have seen. Right. So right. we are going to change it to a before dark <laughs> and have that freewheeling because discussion. Because you demanded it. Because, yeah. you, because demanded you demanded it. it. It's, because it's the happy it. hour instead of after dark. That's right. There you yeah. Go. Uh, so this is now a before dark, a happy hour where we're going to talk about a variety of random topics before the review, and but uh, probably hopefully... probably neither happy nor an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hopefully people will uh, will enjoy that. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, what is on store for today. And uh, the review today is going to be Lee Winnell's new movie, The Invisible Man. Now I know we had said last week we're going to review Onward. Uh, but for reasons that we'll get into, one of which is that people requested it. Uh, we're going to do The Invisible because Man Because you today. demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, also, one Jeff, movie sounded a lot more interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 So, yeah. So, basically, people demanded it. But also, uh, again, for reasons I'll get into, uh, it was a little bit challenging for me to go to a movie theater this weekend to go see Onward. Um, so Because the government demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's what's in the store. You can find more episodes at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast.com at gmail.com. Now, in terms of the before dark, the happy hour, whatever you want to call it, I do want to acknowledge that we have gotten a lot of feedback about the new format. Um, and I wanted to thank everyone who wrote into slash filmcast gmail.com. Uh, I forwarded most of those emails to you guys. I think you guys have a pretty good sense of like where people come down on it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to all, all the emailers. I would say 90% of the emails uh, were extremely kind and understanding. It was not just like, hey, love the new format. It was, hey, I understand you know, that you guys are really busy, that your lives are crazy right now, and I support anything that is necessary to keep the Slash Filmcast going. That, that is basically what 90% of the emails were. And yeah. I just thought that was very kind. Like People are very... Understanding and uh, nice and sympathetic, and so I, I appreciate all of you. Um, and I also appreciate seven percent of the remaining ten percent, where people were like, "Hey, uh, I respectfully disagree with the new format." You know, like it's uh, they they were a fan of the old ways, and they explained very logically why. And so appreciate that as well. And then three percent of the emails were like, "Make it back the old way; the new way sucks." You know, without any kind of sympathy or understanding at all and was less a fan of those but there were a tiny tiny minority of uh of all the emails um so uh just wanted to acknowledge that like yeah uh we're, we're still trying things out we're trying to see if this new way is is a better way for uh our lives and a better way for us to do the show and see what people appreciate so of course you can always keep the emails coming into slash gmail.com or tweet at us we're all on twitter and uh we generally see your stuff so but basically what we learned <laughs> is that some people liked it some people didn't, and it's hard to determine uh, a, a, a consensus. It's just uh, we're going to probably do what 
is best for us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably accurate. Uh, so one of the benefits of the new format, though, I do want to call out is that uh, because we are now basically recording episodes two at a time, we have the ability now to take more time to put into the production of each episode. And one one of the side benefits of that is basically like, for the last 12 years of the Slash Filmcast, the way the show has been produced is uh, I have recorded the conversation on Skype. And then we've just edited the conversation on Skype and published that as, as an audio file and put that on the podcast feed. All right. And uh, that has worked for us pretty well for 12 years, but it, it comes with some downsides. Number one is if Skype is bad, then the audio sounds bad. Um, but number two is like Skype generally already compresses uh, the audio. Like when you're talking, it's not giving you lossless audio through Skype, right? So uh, we are always using some compressed audio. Well, compressed audio for you guys. I, I, my stuff is uncompressed. My shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is for some which reason, is why Dave, we stuck with it. Yeah. yeah, Dave has not seen a problem with this. Current, yeah, no, my uh, stuff is like, up until now. I sound great. Other people talk, and then I sound great again. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Um, Dave Chen Wei. Uh, so there again, there were a lot of advantages of that. Like number one, I was able to put out an episode literally, like could get it out to like tens of thousands of people literally thirty minutes after we finished recording. You know, just yeah. boom, boom, bam, boom, like it's out into the world thirty minutes after we're done. Uh, and uh, you know that worked for us really well. But um, because we have a little extra time, we are experimenting with uh, doing a thing where we now record each of our audio separately and then combine them all into one audio feed. And we got, it turns out that in the, in the intervening 12 years, <laughs> other people have started doing podcasts what? and figured out pretty good ways to do things. I, that's, that's, that's shocking, Jeff. That's shocking. Uh, <laughs> so that's what we did last uh, for the last couple episodes. And we got a ton of feedback that it was a lot better sounding, right? So that's kind of a trade off that we're trying, we're kind of making here is like, we're taking a little extra time on the episodes um, we're spacing out our recordings a little bit, but as a result, um, we can get a little better sounding audio. And I think, uh, I, I like, love one listener compared it to like hearing you guys in 4k for the first time, uh, rather than just HD. Uh, I thought that was a great analogy. So it's, it's more like the bump from SD straight to 4k. That's what it sounds like <laughs> to me, but yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, all that said, sometimes if our audio goes badly i still am recording a backup of the skype and so on occasion we might use the skype um uh recording but you know we're, we're going to try to up the audio quality on the episodes a little bit on that note i've also acquired a new microphone i'm trying today the audio technica uh r2100x uh, usb microphone trying that out um i usually use the Rode podcaster but giving this a shot as well to see if it makes a difference as well so we're trying we're trying all kinds of things is what i'm trying to say and uh, appreciate all people's feedback on it. But yeah, um, anyway, that's what's happening with the show right now. I wanted to give people a little update. All right. Uh, second topic on our Before Dark, before we get to our review of The Invisible Man, is, uh, boy, gents, a lot has happened since the last episode that we recorded. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that happened. I was supposed to go to South by Southwest for the first time. I was really excited. I actually uh, was invited to do a panel on South by Southwest this year and was super psyched. Like, not only am I going, I'm doing a panel. I'm, I'm so excited because last year, South by Southwest sounded so awesome. 
Yeah. And uh, we, uh, my wife and I actually won uh, tickets to South by Southwest at a, at a, uh, a gala to benefit a local nonprofit. Um, so we had bid on these tickets and we'd won the tickets and we're like super psyched to go. Uh, and then a massive outbreak of coronavirus occurred within 15 miles of where I'm sitting right now. Um, I think to this moment, as we're recording this, uh, I believe Seattle still has the most deaths in the U.S. from a coronavirus. So like it's yeah. the most acutely felt uh, near where I live. And I'll, I'll get into that, what that feels like in a little bit. But I believe New York has you beat on total cases mm. at this point. So yeah, South by Southwest was canceled, and uh, a, a few like I think we are just beginning to feel the reverberations through the film industry of what is going to happen as a result of the coronavirus. Uh, the, yeah. the other big thing is that the release date of the new James Bond film No Time to Die was pushed from April to November of 2020, uh, and because yeah, no one wants to go to the movie theater, no one wants. It, it, it is of all the places you want to be in. Uh, in an enclosed space with watching three, a movie called No Time to Die, yeah. <laughs> watching a movie called No Time yeah. to Die, die with four hundred coughing people is probably not on the top of your list at this point in time. The um, new James Bond thriller. Please don't cough on me. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so this is going to be something that I think, like, you know, obviously, uh, it, it is a massive public health crisis and. Uh, nothing we discuss here should be taken to minimize that at all. This is something people should stay informed about. And uh, I mean, e everyone needs to make the decisions that they like make, make the set of trade-offs that they feel is right for them. Uh, I actually have felt some judgment this week from some of the trade-offs I've been making. And I would just encourage people to be understanding. Like you, you don't know what, what situation people are in maybe they live with their parents maybe they take care of their parents maybe they're yeah. uh they have people in their lives that are immunocompromised like you have no idea why people are making the decisions they're making so i i would urge understanding but i would also urge people to stay informed as much as you can one of the things i read this week dave was um you know you shouldn't be as scared of getting covid 19 you should be scared of giving it uh um, that's, because that's true yeah. and if you and if you are an at risk population like if you're over 60 uh, then yeah. you should be scared of getting it, you know? So 20% death rate over 60. Yeah. So 20%. It, to be, just to, for comparison's sake, the Spanish flu had a 3% death rate. Yeah. This, so, I mean, that's not, you know, breaking it down to over 60, the actual, you know, full virus only has about a three, little bit over 3% death rate, but it's, it's scary. It's scary for people like, like me who interact with my in-laws uh, who are over 60 on a regular basis because they provide child care for us. Um, and you're right, David, you, you know, there's a lot of people I think that shrug it off and say, Oh, it's being all blown out of proportion. Oh, the, the flu kills more people. It, it, this could, we, we could be next week at this time. We could be as, as changed <laughs> as we are from last week at right, this time you know right. what i mean things could, are progressing get pretty worse quickly worse. yeah and we may not have a summer there may not be a summer as we as we usually know it in the movie industry in any industry i mean there i can imagine there being no comic con i can imagine there being yeah. no gen con no e3 all of these things that are that are geek staples of the of the summer summer convention season i can imagine all of those going away and and then the economy going crazy you know it's it's 
it's a serious business. It's it, stay yeah, safe, it, people. Yeah, the, the consequences are going to be from a from an economic standpoint. Like, we won't know for months, if not years, like what the consequences are. But uh, I read today that. Uh, South by Southwest, right? Like th- it is going to be very difficult for them to recover from this because they've never canceled uh, over the course of decades. Uh, yeah. South by Southwest, a festival that brings over three hundred fifty million dollars of economic activity to the Austin area, and their contracts, their insurance did not stipulate for like uh, <laughs> in a, in the event of a pandemic, we will be covered because no one foresaw that that would occur. So yeah, there are like yeah. lots of different people are on the hook for a lot of different things that they might not be able to afford. Meanwhile, I'll just say in Seattle, where one of the biggest outbreaks is occurring right now, uh, I, I'm just going to say it's weird right now. I'm not going to say, like I've read reports, oh, Seattle's a ghost town. There are moments when you go outside and it is extremely eerie, right? Like things mm-hmm. that are usually extremely busy, traffic that's usually really bad is not anymore. Uh, companies like Amazon, my employer, Microsoft, uh, other uh, offices in Seattle like Facebook and Google, they've all said work from home if you can through the end of March, right? So that's tens of thousands of people working from home right now. Uh, but then sometimes you go outside, you go to a restaurant, it's packed, you know? So it's just really weird. It's it's like this in-between phase of everyone's quarantining versus like no one's quarantining. It's this weird in-between yeah. period uh, in Seattle right now in New York. Like we, I, I haven't really noticed too much else happening. Like the subway is still packed when it needs to be. Um, some companies are asking people to work from home. I will. I, I've noticed that if somebody just coughs, uh, on the subway or anyway, anywhere, you know, people will step back. Like there is a more pronounced distancing happening, which, you know, it's, um, I feel like everybody needs to do what they need to do to stay safe and keep safe. That's something we should all be doing during the flu season anyway. Um, I'm not not glad to see that, yeah, this has gone kind of racist almost immediately. But <laughs> yeah. that's the way it goes with humanity. Yeah, kind of it, it went racist pretty much instantly. Uh, the like restaurants in Chinatown in, in Seattle have taken a huge hit in attendance. Uh, there's been reports of anti-Asian racism all around the world. Uh, yeah. Actually, I made a YouTube video about it this last week that was picked up by the online news service Now This, uh, if you want to check that out. But basically, I, I go into some of the events that have been occurring where people will uh, treat you differently or say rude things to you because you're Asian and they think you're carrying the coronavirus. Uh, in fact, as far as we know, the coronavirus has no racial preferences, although it did start in China, but like it's in Italy, it's in Iran, um, it's you know all over the world. It doesn't discriminate based on race. Um, so it is, it is a shame that there's been this kind of xenophobic uh, mm-hmm. activation as a result of this xenophobic contagion as well as, well, uh, as a result of the coronavirus. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, Jeff, has it like, has it affected life in LA at this point? Like what's your uh, situation like right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everybody is aware of it and conscious of it and that you find people out less and restaurants are emptier. Um, it's on the, it's on everyone's tongue. You know, it's, it's a bad, I shouldn't say that <laughs> it's, it's, everybody's talking about it. Um, and yeah, I think there's a pall over everything. Yeah. It's hard, you know, as uh, we're on a, here we are on a, a movie podcast, uh, it's hard for me not to think of it in movie terms. And I think that's weird, may- maybe, but that's how my brain works, kind of. 
Well, uh, you mean in and general like, because you like live in LA and because you are co-host on a movie podcast and because you're an actor. Like, is that <laughs> is that why? Or, or no, because it feels like whenever something like this happens, you, you feel like, well, this is, we're in. Are we in Act One of the movie? Yeah. Right now, I mean, is this this is one is of the, the flashbacks to the before times, basically? <laughs> is the yeah, is this the yeah. part where everybody's like, oh, you know, it's silly to be so worried, and then cut to, you know, hysteria in the streets and people smashing <laughs> windows and stuff. So you know, you never know. I, I'm I have a hard time zeroing in on the correct level of panic. I have noticed you know, like the if appropriate you, level. If you guys go to the drugstore or something, like yeah, the toilet paper. Hand sanitizer, certainly like those essentials are quickly disappearing. So, yeah, all, I stocked up on diapers. That's the main thing uh, in, in in the nearest pharmacies to me. All hand sanitizers gone. All the thermometers are gone. All the uh, late like lace tech or uh, latex or medical gloves are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all it's all gone. And yeah, toilet paper. People are definitely making a run on it as well. Um, but yeah, I think basically, uh, you know. I just would encourage toilet people. paper seems like a weird thing to be concerned about. So you know, Jeff, when like, you don't have toilet paper, things go downhill well, pretty quickly. Here, 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 the here, worst, here's the response. What's the worst <laughs> version? What's the worst version of not having toilet paper? Literally, you use a wash rag that you then <laughs> yeah. wash. I th- so Jeff, I you think know? that I think I've seen a lot of like mockery of people who are hoarding toilet paper online, and you know. Uh, Again, I would just really obviously like spread correct information, but I think like one of the arguments for hoarding toilet paper and other essentials is uh, anticipating an era in which going outside will not be um, yeah encouraged. I understand that. Right? My point is, what's the worst version of not having toilet? Oh, paper? Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, I I take it. Have you ever had to like uh, you know when you go camping and you got to wipe outside and. You don't even have like a leaf or something around, like. Yeah, but you're not going to be outside with a leaf. <laughs> you're going uh, to be in your house. You're going to be stuck. We're, in your we're house. all anticipating the potential downfall of civilization right now, so I feel like the thing we're clinging on to <laughs> is that lovely double ply and our clean bums. That's I, all we've got. I, yes, I, I that's think all we can control, Jeff. Okay, I, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that there are systems in place for water and electricity not to go yes. away in, in in this particular kind of crisis mm. i don't understand it's a really strong why. argument well, for the papers. bidet market i think is what's yeah happening, bidet right? market Fair pretty enough. strong uh yeah. but like like diapers and wipes and stuff like those are things life would be pretty hard if i don't have a steady supply of diapers and <laughs> i don't do the nappy thing so yeah yeah no i, I like believe that. me we bought extra diapers as well but <laughs> there are i have friends who use you know cloth diapers it's not it's not. It's not <laughs> yeah, the end of the your, world. your your point is taken. Your point is taken. But uh, I yeah. think I I just am saying like overall I hope people are staying safe out there and uh, reading up on uh, what is happening and making informed decisions about whether mm-hmm. to go outside, what to hoard. I think like everyone just needs to make their own decisions and and try to not judge other people's decisions insofar as it's possible. Um, you, you know, like in a post-apocalyptic movie when one character says, you know the one thing you never thought you'd miss yeah. during civilization? It's toilet paper. Flash to That's what I mean. I keep thinking about is this is this the first act where I'm sort of blithely <laughs> thinking like, oh man, we're going to be laughing about this in two months and then we're in, all in the quiet place. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, I think that you know, honestly, if we're looking at this through the lens of movies, like the the Steven Soderbergh movie *Contagion*, which, by the way, excellent movie, 
and um, horrifying on every level. Is sure. is well, it's it's having a huge resurgence right now. Like uh, <laughs> it is one of the top, become one of the top sellers on VOD. Uh, people have pirated it through the roof because it's not available on any <laughs> streaming service right now. Uh, I just read this thing on the Verge about how like Torrent Freak has been tracking. Uh, contagion downloads and it's like really really high because people want to see this movie. Yeah, uh, and that's you're how saying the, the contagion is spreading. Is yeah, that what you're saying? and, and yes. I think that um, that movie actually offers like a pretty good picture of how a lot of these social dynamics play out. Now the the virus in that movie was way worse than way worse. Uh, yeah, than, and thank God than, this uh, one is COVID. It? It, there's was, that wonderful sequence though where it just shows how it spreads to the doorknob, to the yes, sneeze, to the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. The method of transmission was very similar in that. Uh, but the downside of, of Contagion is that is an absolute best case scenario of how society yes. would handle it. You know, like, and it was still not very good, right? Like, we, we did yeah, it that, okay Yeah, that movie job. assumes competent <laughs> leaders, <laughs> yeah. uh, non-stripped down government services, uh, uh, a a entire... <laughs> administration that isn't in denial you yeah. know that it's kind of really thing. it's yeah. really scary to not have someone at the wheel on this um and uh that's it's, it's just it's it's frightening that we don't have leadership in this country that is uh i, I mean i i've read online that the many people right now they they think that it's a hoax or they think that it's uh concocted by the democrats to take down donald trump and I'm I'm not going to say that the media never sensationalizes things because that's basically a lot of what they do, but I do think that there are limits to how much you can spin science. You know, there are limits to how much you can spin oh, a dude. pandemic phenomenon like this. And so you you're so naive. There's no limits <laughs> to how much you can spin science. I I, I think what I'm saying is, uh, sorry, maybe I'm not stating myself correctly. I think what I'm saying is like you you can spin it, but like in the end. You know, people are still going to get it, even if you say they're not getting it, right? And so, like, what's going to happen as a result of that? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Um, but anyway, again, stay safe. And I think that, like, the consequences for the uh, uh, one last thing, by the way, when I say like, don't judge other people's decisions, like, I do think there are things people can say or do that will help to provide information. Like, there was like a thing of like, you know, don't. Don't uh, hoard masks because, like, masks don't help you stop getting it. And you're taking them away from uh, public health people. And yeah. stuff like that, like, I can kind of understand. Although even that, like, it, theoretically, if you have it, wearing a mask actually does help. So, like, it, everything has, like, edge cases. And so just, like, I, I would encourage people to be understanding. But also, yeah, there, there are some benefits to actually spreading information. That All that said, the, the impact on the entertainment industry is going to be pretty intense i think like we we don't even know if some of these big movies of the summer are going to happen right um we don't well, know if like let alone let alone i mean the, the movies you're talking about movies that are in the can and they're worried about whether or not people can get out to see them yeah, yeah. there's a real possibility that hollywood just shuts down and yeah. we have they a, already shut down filming of uh of mission impossible the the sequel right and yeah. i mean there's there's an there's a real very, very plausible scenario where all of the industry just stops and we have sort of a uh, writer's strike on on steroids issue where there was, you know, this period a few years ago where the writer's strike happened and everything out of Hollywood for this window of time was different, was yeah. 
delayed or mm-hmm. they had, you know, strange different writers and there's a, there's a quality hit and everything it, that we could have just this real weird window where there just isn't any new entertainment made. Uh, and that's, that's really kind of a strange thing to contemplate as well. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what, in terms of the impact to this show, we don't know what the summer movie wager is going to be this year. Uh, we don't know even if we're ha- we'll have yeah. one because Let's I get am to not... the real the real dire consequences. <laughs> what about the summer movie wager you guys? I, I know that's the number one coronavirus issue on everyone's mind. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even know if we're going to have one this year because I don't think at the at the time we would typically record it, we are going to know what the summer slate is going to look like. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like theoretically we'd record that in like what April time frame, right? Yeah. Early April, and I, I don't know if we'll know by then what movies are actually going to be coming out this summer. So it's gonna be the bummer movie wager. Am I right? Uh, wow. Am I right, you guys? It's awful. I'm right, right. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I don't know if I should actually be going to see movies right now, um, like physically going to the theater to see movies right now, uh, because being in a enclosed space with hundreds of people. Uh, transmitting something that can be transmitted using like droplets that left yeah. on surfaces. Uh, it's not a good, and, and also like experts uh, understand that there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of undetected cases in Seattle. Uh, they don't know how it's, like how long people are contagious for, like you can have it, but not have any symptoms. You know, like there's all these things that people just don't know yet. And hopefully we will know soon. But the bottom line is, like, you might see episodes in the future where I have not seen the movie, um, and I'll just be kind of moderating the conversation. Uh, but we'll see. I, we just don't know anything, and yeah. we'll probably know we'll do, more by the we'll time. We'll do we a slew of then. streaming hits or something, yeah. or video yeah. on demand choices. It may it may change the format even more than it already has. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, hope everyone's we'll be talking safe. about. Uh, we'll be just be doing reviews of toilet paper alternatives. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a fan of Charmin myself. Um, but I know people prefer Cottonelle as well. I'm so. saying alternatives, my friend. Alternatives. I see. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So that's how coronavirus is impacting the industry and us. Um, and yeah, uh, hope yeah. everyone's staying safe out there. All right. I wanted to read one email before we get to our review. This one comes in from Brian from Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, but actually, you know what? Before we get to this email, why don't we thank our first sponsor for the day? Uh, Jeff, you want to tell us about our first sponsor? Yes. Uh, this is a sponsor that has had a very positive impact on my life and my feeling of being clean and healthy. And it's Quip. Quip is my toothbrush. My my toothbrush. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, it is uh, three of my family members' toothbrush at the moment. We are a three-Quip family. Everybody who brushes their teeth in my house. Actually, we we brush my daughter's teeth, but she hasn't graduated to Quip yet. But they do have a cool kids size version that my son uses that has a smaller brush head. But I'll tell you why we love Quip, and it is because it basically handles all of the best aspects of dental hygiene for me. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the time it takes to uh, to brush. I probably never brushed. Uh, a full two minutes, which is dentist recommended before I had quips, but now I do every time. Why? Because quip turns on for two minutes and then it turns itself off. And every 30 seconds it vibrates and pulses and tells me that I've been going for, uh, 30 seconds. So I can sort of switch areas of my mouth. I, I break my mouth into quadrants now. Uh, it's pretty cool, but I can 
take my mind off of it and let the let the toothbrush keep track of that for me. Plus, the bristles are soft and gentle. They're really great for even if you have uh, sensitive gums. And I'm subscribed to Quip, so I get new toothpaste uh, every three months. I get a new brush head every three months, which is what dentists recommend as well. I probably never re you know um, uh, changed out my toothbrush. Every three months before that, I would I would have these wimpy little squished bristles. I bet, listener, if you went and looked in your bathroom right now and looked at your toothbrush, I bet you have a past due toothbrush. I bet your bristles are all squished and bent and really not doing the job. Quip will handle all that for you. They got you got a new brush head that comes every three months when you're subscribed. It's great. I really, really, genuinely love my Quip. It it stays off my counter. It has a cool little case that it sits in. It's just great. And if you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you can get your first refill for free. That's right, just for listening to the show. Your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash filmcast. F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, all one word, Quip, the good habits company. All right. On the last uh, episode of the Slash Filmcast After Dark, we had a conversation about why Blu-rays suck. And Jeff, <laughs> Jeff ruthlessly mocked me for even bringing up the subject. Yeah. Uh, but we did right get this you. email from Brian. And I, I had to read this email because I know that Devendra, at least Devendra, you and I are going to geek out about this. Sure. This email comes from Brian. He writes in to slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Uh, loved the After Dark bit about Blu-rays. Like Devendra, I have a stack of HD DVDs, and when HD DVD failed, I bought a bunch of Blu-rays. And since day one, I have always hated the Blu-rays for all the reasons played out by the Angry Video Game Nerd video that you mentioned. <laughs> the inability to come back and restart a movie where I left off later that day or later that hour sends me over the brink. And that was one thing I did mention. Like, how often have you guys used a Blu-ray? I guess you guys don't use Blu-rays at all, but like, how often do you use a Blu-ray and then like, the resume feature does not work. You yep, know, all the you'll, time. You'll watch all it and then the you stop it and then you resume it and it does not resume. It's like, wow. That's, <laughs> Can we, I, we, we've kind basically of taken a step back from VHS, right? In the <laughs> what sense kind of, of monster doesn't watch a movie all in one sitting? A monster with kids, Jeff? Come on. You should be understanding here. <laughs> I don't okay. even turn the, it on. I watch movies in over three now. days now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back to the email. Here's the rub. Even though I know how much I hate Blu-rays, the hosts of my favorite podcast all got the Mission Impossible 4K Blu-ray set before the release of Fallout. These guys raved about the picture, and so I just had to have this new tech. I bought an 85-inch 4K TV, the 4K oh, yeah. Blu-ray player, and a bunch of 4K Blu-rays. Mad Max Fury Road, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, The Matrix, Annihilation, and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. This which, is the way to live, people. This <laughs> which is I saw in theaters in 60 FPS, 3, 3D, the way the director intended. Yes. Uh, pause for a moment. I love how in this email, Brian sounds like he bought all those things because he listened to this podcast. Yeah, well, like you can't put that on us, man. You can't put that on us. <laughs> I did talk about Billy Lynn, and I have talked about that Blu-ray. So, mm. yeah, you know. You, you mean, are talk responsible about for Brian's $10,000 of expenditures. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, and back to the email. I am a sucker. 4K Blu-rays suck even worse than regular Blu-rays. <laughs> and honestly, the worst part is the picture. I should have known this because I don't like 4K streaming either. In addition to the 85-inch TV, I have a 12-foot wide screen with a projector, and I sit pretty close to both. In general, these are excellent viewing experiences, but the downside of sitting close to 4K content is bad skin, <laughs> sharp edges, and a picture that just looks terrible, no matter how much futzing I do with the settings, sharper and more details is not always better. 
in my opinion, 4K should be an acquisition <laughs> format, but not a display format unless watching in a theater. So this not goes too far. This goes way too far. But I will say this is the lovely Twilight Zone ending to his cinephilia. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, like totally. oh, I was supposed I got to have time enough at last to enjoy yeah. my yeah, this, this is the stepping on the eyeglasses of the end. <laughs> but I think his his real issue is with human beings. He's yeah. like, their skin is bad. You know, it's like, yeah, that's how people look. <laughs> okay, so back to the email. So now I'm stuck with about 2,000 DVDs, which are easy to use but look terrible. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's really feeding into this Twilight Zone thing you guys are saying. 75 HD DVDs, hundreds of Blu-rays, and seven 4K discs. Why do I keep buying them, you ask? I love the commentary tracks, and in general, you can only get them on the Blu-ray. My absurd strategy, oh, by the way, it gets better. Okay. My absurd strategy is to rip any disc I get, including all the commentary tracks, the moment it shows up on the front porch. That means most of my physical Blu rays have never even been watched once, but that I now have the movies, uh, a, a movies catalog of roughly 2,600 films that I watch on my Apple TV. Oh, I so you're a crazy person. <laughs> That's. That's what it is. I love the convenience of this movie library. It's like my own personal Netflix or Prime, but it's been a lot of work to get there. Sometimes I ask myself, is the time it has taken to rip, convert, meta tag, and back up all these films more than the time it would have taken me to reset the menu or start over on a disc? <laughs> I think we all know the answer. It's an unanswerable question, man. It's an un <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It's Peace just... slash filmcast. That email comes from Brian from Fairfield, Connecticut. I, I love um, this letter, by the way, because this listener just speaks right to my heart. Yes. I wrote in 2016 that 4K Blu-ray, it's a dead format, right? This is probably the last physical format we'll ever see. That's also why I can't stop buying them, because for me, the quality is up there. It's near what we're getting you know, in theaters. But what were you going to say, Dave? Well, I, I was just going to say, I agree. This speaks directly to my heart as well. I mean... I, all the agony that this person experiences over his physical media choices, I, I have experienced the same, if not tenfold. And yeah. I think that the, here, here's the thing about people who like rip things and put them on their Plex server and stuff. Like, yeah, I admire those people, but I could never be one of them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, I wish, I wish I was someone like you, you know what I mean? But I can't, I can't be you. I, cause for me, Taking out a Blu-ray out of its case and putting it into the disc player is already like a huge accomplishment over just like, you know, whispering into my like my Amazon TV or my Siri, like, hey, bring up Contagion, you know, and then, then it's there and I can stream it instantly. Yeah. Like, this is why convenience will always win in any technology battle. Like that, that's just the thing. Good thing about uh, some streaming movies now, we are getting the commentary. So like that's why I, I only buy digitally on iTunes because they tend to get those. Yeah. That is the yeah the market Apple's locked up. But but my, I, my, my I point being, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, go ahead. Your point being. Well, yeah. So just like that, that it's like literally taking out the disc off my shelf. You got to open <laughs> the case. You got to walk to the player. You know, like walk back from the player to the couch. Like all that stuff is is when I do that, I feel like a champ. I feel like <laughs> I've just done the movie, the film Twitter version of a decathlon. You know. Uh huh. And so the idea that I'm gonna like rip everything metadata tag it back it up like i'm just like no it's not even i, I can't what, imagine a world where that could occur you know <laughs> dave what you're missing about all of this is that this is as you guys i think you guys sort of intuit that this is the ultimate nerd email Th that's why i think all of us feel such a a, a, a love of a this kinship, email kinship. It, it, yeah. it, it, it kinship it, there's a 
it speaks to our hearts. Yeah. Like this isn't your particular flavor of nerddom <laughs> and nor is it mine, but what we're failing to see here, what we're failing to express here is that, and, and I don't even think Brian knows it. Like he doesn't know it <laughs> consciously, but what he, the joy he's getting has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. <laughs> like for example, for me, I am obsessed with designer board games, like mm. German weird designer board games. I research them online. I purchase them. I get the box. I take the shrink wrap off. I open them up. I meticulously punch out all of the components. I put them in their own individual baggies. I think long and hard about the best composition of the box, the organization, how it's going to be best, most easy for each player to get the components that they want, how those should be bagged. I look on online for specialty shops that do custom inserts for the box to make sure the box is most perfectly organized to have you can, you can put together these things i order those things they arrive i have to glue them and snap them together to create the most perfect box insert i then put the box insert in the box put all my baggies specifically into each of those boxes make sure all the coins fit specifically sometimes i'll buy the specialty upgrade components so the cooler components are there in the box and then i'll play the game twice <laughs> the aristocrats <laughs> yeah and what i've learned is my joy, I, I think my joy is the playing of the game. And I do like playing the games. Mm -hmm. But my joy is all that other Michigas. <laughs> it's the collection. And I think yeah. that's what Brian, Brian doesn't even know it himself. Like, consciously, he doesn't even know it. Well, maybe but he does know it. He just didn't write it in the email. But yes. You I... get a sense that he's like, why do I do this, man? <laughs> it's like. Does he the like the way 4K the... looks anymore? Yeah. Yeah. The organization is the thing. He's saying, like, I have a 12 foot wide screen and I <laughs> listen to the audio tracks. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what he's saying to us. Yeah. Uh, he, he's listened to a friggin' podcast for each Blu ray that he gets. <laughs> it's the organization, it's the putting everything in its right spot. It's mm. making the, the best choice to have the perfect thing. That's the joy that Brian is getting. And I say more power to you, Brian. You do you. You know what I'm saying? That's the nerd way. That used to be the nerd way. The, the nerd way, when I was a kid, when nerd was nerd, that's what it was about, man. It was about <laughs> like going down the rabbit hole of weird shit. And now nerd means like arguing with people online. I'm a nerd <laughs> because I like DC over Marvel or wherever the fuck. I, you know, I, I'm a nerd because I've seen all the Star Wars movies eight times. No, no, that's dumb. Everybody's seen the Star Wars movies eight times. Who cares? It's it's this stuff. It's this shit makes you a nerd. This is nerd stuff. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I spent 400 hours doing something that got me zero benefit. Zero. But I, I committed myself to it and I did it. That's being a nerd, man. All right. Beautifully said, Jeff. Beautifully said. Thank you. Well, I think we got to get to our review. But thanks to Brian for that awesome email. We all feel you. And uh, <laughs> keep doing you, man. Keep doing you, no matter what people say. All right, let's get to our review of Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then I was controlling when I left the house. And eventually, what I thought. 
always be. I'm not gonna leave you with that thing on. That was from the trailer for The Invisible Man, the new movie by Lee Winnell starring Elizabeth Moss. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by somebody no one can see. All right, so this is uh, the follow-up to Lee Winnell's movie Upgrade which was a low-budget sci-fi movie that... It was, kind of ruled. It was yeah. it was pretty awesome, in my opinion. It yeah. was a better Venom movie than Venom, in my <laughs> opinion. And he, he, although it was like the low-budget of the movie version of Venom in every respect, in, including the main character, who <laughs> who's played by Logan Marshall Green, a poor man's Tom Hardy. Although, yeah. again, as I said, upgrade, better film. Uh, so... Was really psyched to see what he would do, and uh, certainly he like st- stepped into this role of reinventing this universal monster of yeah. the Invisible Man. I-, I will say, Dave, before you get into this, yeah, th- this guy is behind um, the your favorite movie franchise of all time. It's not my he? favorite movie franchise, but yes, he was a, a uh, an actor uh, and a writer, I believe. Right? And writer, I mean, he wrote Saw. Yeah, he is actor and writer for the original Saw. Um, oh, we had Dave's favorite movie franchise of all time. It's it's yeah. really not my favorite movie <laughs> franchise. Just putting putting that out there. Uh, he also directed Insidious Chapter Three for those who are a fan of that movie. Uh, but yeah, no, this, nobody was a fan of that movie. But so Upgrade was a big step up. Yeah, I, so I will th- say this that. is a yeah. big Upgrade was a big upgrade, so to speak. This mm. is a big. Uh, he's been kind of making these low budget movies. You know, Upgrade I think was you know very a few million dollars. Uh, the Invisible Man was made for seven million dollars under the Blumhouse kind of model of making an extremely low budget movie and uh, seeing if it does well <laughs> on mass release. That's extremely low budget. Yeah. 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 Uh, so all that said, Devin, your heart or seems impossible you... to me. How much did Elizabeth Moss make of that of that seven? Well, million? that's the thing is a lot of these actors, right? Back end. Yeah, yeah, they take back end points. That's all back end. It's all back end, yeah. right? They take like a tiny fee, uh, and then they they make back end, and and the in return, the directors get complete creative control, and uh, it, it, they haven't all been hits, but many of them have worked out really, really well. So, Sounds like a great idea until coronavirus hits. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true of literally anything, though, Jeff. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, but Devinder Hardwar, uh, did you feel that The Invisible Man was a worthy follow-up to Upgrade? Oh, most definitely. I, I think this movie is a masterpiece. For me, this movie evokes uh, the best of John Carpenter. You know, a really interesting, high-concept idea, played very straight and... It's a very patient movie, like from the very opening scene of this movie where we we basically get the sense that she, you know, this character, uh, Elizabeth Moffat's character is on the run. She has planned her escape from her abusive boyfriend. And we never get a flashback to that, to like their relationship. You don't get the really gross scene that we saw in It too, where there was just like a straight up, yeah domestic abuse situation right in front of us uh she just plans a silent escape like she's in a freaking heist movie and that tells you everything about her and about the guys she's trying to escape from and done you know most of the way without much dialogue too the direction throughout this movie um just just the idea of how you represent 
an invisible person, right? The way he frames the camera and he frames certain scenes, it's it's amazing. Like that alone is what it takes for us to like assume like, oh, he's he's there. He could be there. This movie is all about Elizabeth Moss basically reacting to nothing, which is kind of fascinating too. Like it's even to me, her performance feels even more interesting than somebody in like a um a comic book movie where they're reacting against like, you know, a doll or something or like a, a, a character in prosthetics, like here, she is just acting against blank space until that changes up. So yeah, I love the direction of this movie. I love just like every shift it takes. I think the ending is probably something we can, we can quibble over, but I find it kind of interesting the way it goes. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. This movie surprised the hell out of me. We'll certainly have a lot to talk about in spoilers. Yeah, I think, uh, as you were indicating, the movie has a great use of negative space in the sense that there's many times yeah. where the camera will pan over to something or point at something, and there's there's nothing there. There's seemingly nothing there. There seems to yeah. be, it's like a blank area or um, an empty chair or whatever. It's and very just, much like a horror movie shot, too. Like, yeah, when yeah, you're expecting the jump scare or something. But I think, I think it's more than just panning over to empty space. It's yeah. leaving room... Yep. In a shot with something in the foreground, with something that we are supposed to look at, at, leaving room that is empty to assume, like, you have Elizabeth Moss's head in, you know, the bottom right corner and all this empty right. space yep. in mm -hmm. the left. And it's like, oh, there's definitely something there. And <laughs> yeah. it's so such a simple – that's how you make a $7 million movie terrifying yeah. is, yeah. you know, you, you th that was no effect shot. <laughs> that was just yep. framing the camera and yeah. uh, creating this expectation that we're looking at something. Agreed. So, like, really fantastic use of negative space. And I think that uh, Elizabeth Moss's performance, as you said, really sells it. She is amazing in this movie. Uh, there is a scene in this movie where she has a conversation with a doorway that is just incredible. Yeah. Master yeah. class of acting. Uh, so a lot of really smart decisions made throughout this film. Jeff, I want to hear what you have to say about the movie. But before that, why don't we thank our, th why don't we thank our second sponsor for the day? Sure. Um, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Lightstream. And if you have got credit card balances, well, what if you could combine all your credit card balances into one low fixed monthly payment? You can, and it's easy with Lightstream. You get a fixed rate credit card consolidation loan from as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. So you can pay off your credit card balances and save thousands in interest. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. That's pretty great. The application is 100% online, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that when you have good credit, you deserve a low rate and great service, and that's exactly what they deliver. So just for our listeners, you can apply now to get an additional interest rate discount to save even more. And the only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash filmcast. That's lightstream.com slash filmcast for an additional discount, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash filmcast. Now, I personally, I don't keep a credit card balance on any of my credit cards, and I think that's the way you should be. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that. It gives me so much peace of mind to pay off my credit card. So if you have crazy high credit cards with, you know, you can be up to like 20% APR, it's craziness. You got to do something about it. You can get a fixed rate loan from 5.95% APR with auto pay. That may help you actually pay off your credit cards and get down to zero balance, which is what I would highly recommend. 
This is subject to credit approval, and rates include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash filmcast for more information. Uh, before we move on, I also want to thank all the people who donated to the Slash Filmcast this week. Uh, we got a donation from Stephen Theus, uh, and also an email from TJ. So TJ donated, and uh, he wrote the following message. Quote, I felt compelled to donate after the recent Slash Filmcast After Dark, where Dave discussed his letterbox list taking off on Reddit. During this segment, Dave directly mentions my Reddit username, which is the same as my Twitter because I'm an idiot. It was simultaneously exciting and embarrassing. On one hand, I got an unexpected shout-out from my favorite podcast. On the other, it happened in a way that potentially exposes me to people I know as a browser of r slash movie circle jerk, a subreddit I find myself unable to leave despite most of the content being absolute trash. I hope this donation reminds me to be smarter about these things. Also, shout-out to my internet friend Steven, who I'm 99% sure listens to this podcast. He has great taste in films, and he posts the best uncut gems memes. That comes in from TJ, uh, who I apparently accidentally exposed to ridicule uh, because I called him out as a member of uh, Movie Circle Jerk. Movie Circle Jerk. Hmm. Yeah. So sorry about that, TJ, but uh, I'm glad we got to reiterate that on this yeah. episode of the podcast. You should own your subreddits. Come on. Uh, no also, shame. a big thanks to Kunal Verma and Andrew Wall for uh, subscribing at the rate of $2 per month. If you want to support what we do here on the Slash Filmcast, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, if you want to contribute some cash to helping us to run the show, you can also go to slashfilm.com, click on the Slash Filmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page to start a subscription at the rate of a couple dollars per month. And if you, we, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you any hardship whatsoever. But if you have a couple extra bucks and you want to throw it away, that'd be great. Also, if you want to support us for no money, you can always just go to our Apple podcast page, leave a review for us, leave a star rating. It really does help a lot. Okay. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on The Invisible Man? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about The Invisible Man are best summed up in the form of a limerick. I wish I could only review the first half of Invisible Dude because <laughs> it starts so strong, but something goes wrong with a villain and plot I see through. Mm. That was nice. I like the see-through wordplay at the end there. Right, because he's invisible, see? I get it. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. The man is invisible. I get it. An invisible man, so you see through things that are invisible there. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. Cool. Um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with a lot of what Devendra said, except that masterpiece part. Um, but I do like so much of how this movie starts. I... I will underline what he pointed out with the beginning. I thought it was such a confident way to start. The way these movies happen, the way all mm -hmm. of these kinds of movies happen is exactly what Devendra pointed out, which is you get the flash, but you have to establish how horrible a guy this dude is and how this w woman has to get out. And and this movie just confidently goes, you'll you'll understand. You'll you'll get it. Yeah. We don't need you'll to see show the terror you. in her face. Yeah. Yes. And it's so elegant like that way, and I loved that about it, that it never felt the need to go back and play out exactly. We get it. You know, it, it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be specific. In our imagination, it's way worse than anything they could say anyway. So, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's it's great. It's beautiful. And the movie is full of really cool ideas at the beginning. It sets up this this kind of a um, 
it, it, it sets up almost this chess game. And I was so excited to see how that was going to play out, this sort of battle of figuring things out and who's smarter and what's, what, what's pulling the strings and what's actually really happening here. And there is a moment that I'm sure we'll talk about in spoilers <laughs> where I was genuinely shocked. Yeah. There's a moment where I'm just like, whoa, this movie is about to kick into high gear. I cannot <laughs> – I audibly gasped and I couldn't believe – whoa, here we go. And unfortunately, that's the moment where the movie took a turn for the worse, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I think everything after that, I felt like, oh, this is the we're just in this movie now. This is <laughs> it just sort of it like got onto conventional track and, and it was off the conventional track so, so boldly. And I loved that. I was like, oh, we're not doing anything conventional here. We're doing something really bold and interesting and different. And then this thing happens and the movie goes. I'm a monster movie. That's what I am. And now we're a monster movie. And I just felt so disappointed by that. Um, there's still fun stuff in the second half. I just felt like it, it let me down and it never recaptured me. Um, but I agree. The filmmaking is, is quite good. And we talked a lot about how it composes shots to create tension. It does that magnificently. There are, um, there's one in particular sort of a fight scene sequence toward the beginning that is just beautiful and the movie just like gets so I, I find it to be so disappointing, so disappointing. That's the bit. My biggest word is that where this ends up and how it plays out just becomes very pat in mm. my opinion. Yeah. And, um, and that's a shame because I thought it could have really, if it had the courage of its convictions at the beginning, it could have, uh, I think been something truly remarkable. Uh, but otherwise, uh, as it stands now, it is, it is merely good and worth watching, but not, I think, a masterpiece as Devinger described it. I want to say I'm probably somewhere in between you two in terms of The Invisible Man. I think that uh, there are a lot of great things about it. The, the, the best thing about it is, first of all, uh, most stories about The Invisible Man revolve around the invisible man as the protagonist. Right? Yes. It's about like that character's descent into madness. Um, and you know, one of a recent example I can think of is like Hollow Man, Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man, right? And like how, when you become invisible, it essentially removes all uh, inhibition or morality because you can do whatever you want without any consequences, right? That's kind of <laughs> what a lot of these movies are about. And the the Invisible Man, the 2020 version, takes that and turns it on its head, tells it from the perspective of the victimized. Which I think is just a brilliant move to start with, um, and then not only not only does it tell from the perspective of the victimized, but it makes it into a metaphor for how domestic abusers gaslight their victims, right? Because to the victim, it's like, "Hey, this person is terrorizing me, and please help me stop them." But like, if you're an outsider, that person can sound like a crazy person. That person can sound like they're unhinged, and uh, a, a, an abuser can use that to further uh, enhance his ability to control the situation. And I, I love how this movie does a great job of you know, taking the concept of this mo universal monster, uh, the Invisible Man, and like making it into a commentary on our age. On that note, we should say that the movie is like really upsetting, in my opinion. Like You're watching Elizabeth Moss be terrorized for... A significant portion of the movie, I could totally understand why some people might find this movie to be triggering uh, if they've been through like a very bad relationship or something along those lines. Um, but uh, I, I think as a metaphor and as a piece of 
horror thriller entertainment, it really works uh, and has something to say too about the yeah. state of our society. And I, I think that's all we can expect from a movie of this scope. So I, I really, really loved it. That said, I kind of agree with Jeff in the sense that I thought the ending was pretty rough. Uh, didn't didn't like the ending, um, and we can talk about that in spoilers. But yeah, was not was not a fan of some of those final act uh, things that occur, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's about it. Anything else we want to mention before we head into uh, spoilers? Um, I will say it's it's very nice to see some of the uh, the upgrade camera angles and camera movements come back. After certain points, like uh, it's it's a nice little treat because the way he uh, specifically like when people get slammed to the floor, the camera <laughs> like goes in line with it. It just it looks cool. That's all. It looks very cool. And um, there there's a sequence in the middle of the movie that's basically like an extended invisible man's fight sequence or, you know, I don't know, takedown sequence. And it is shot. I don't think it's one take, but it's definitely done in a way that feels very seamless and interesting. Uh, I got a lot of like Terminator 2 vibes. From this movie of her being in the institute and nobody believing her and her escaping from it mm. like there's there's so much sarah connor in here i honestly just started imagining elizabeth moss as sarah connor now mm. unfortunately we won't get that but that would have been fun so uh, what davinder is referring to is in the movie upgrade uh and also in this movie in many of the action scenes lee Wenell does this thing where uh, it's hard to describe, but basically the camera is like fixed on a mm-hmm. specific perspective of a person's like body, right? Like it's fixed to their chest or their head. And then when that person's like head gets slammed into a wall, like the camera kind of is slammed into the wall with them. And it's v- very kind of immersive. It's a very like stylistic move. It's yeah. it's very of its time. Um, I don't know that it'll age that well, but it is super immersive and you really feel every one of those hits when it happens. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it's cool that he kind of used some of his greatest hits from upgrade in this movie as well. Agreed. Uh, all right, let's get to spoilers for the invisible man starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because of course you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. So Jeff Kanata, got to hear, what are you talking about when you talk <laughs> I'm about I'm pretty sure moment? we all know. We all know that scene. What's, what's the scene, Jeff? What's the scene? Yeah. Well, I, it's an extraordinary scene. You know, uh, going to dinner with her sister, thinking, hey, this is the smartest thing she can do. We'll be in a yes. public place. Nothing can happen to me in this very public place. That's what a smart person would do. And then, you know, of course, the worst possible thing happens. And I don't know, I don't know why you don't just throw that knife down, <laughs> but somehow Elizabeth Moss. It's the shock of that moment. I yeah. I mean, somehow she, like, her acting just, I was like, okay, okay, I'm in it. I'll buy it. The fact that she's going to hold on to it and she's realizing what just got framed. And but I, I, I don't think I, it matters, Jeff. Like if you, it doesn't matter if she's, holding I know it doesn't matter because there's nobody else there. But if it's me, I start going, call 911, call 911, please. My, you know, I, I at least have some plausible, like, I didn't want her to die. You know what I'm saying? Who is, no one's going to buy that, in my opinion. She did that calculus, and she was just like, I am, I love that look, because it's like, (laughs) oh, I'm I'm fucked, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. Yeah. Basically. It's just, I love, like, the, basically, I think it, like, all the sound goes away, and it goes into slow motion in that moment, and 
you, she just realizes the horrible situation she's found herself in. So th- yeah. that the, the reality of how that played out did not bother me in the slightest. But it, no, no, what, I, I, yeah. I'm not complaining about that scene. I I, yeah, I yeah. thought that scene was amazing. I just yeah. felt like you know I, I just kept rolling in my head like what would I do? What would I do in that situation? <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing that it's knife also, down. I'm like, it was so slick. I think that was the thing too. It happened very suddenly. It's just like one one little slice, and then it gently goes into her hand. The knife goes into her hand, and that's where I felt a lot of John Carpenter from this movie. Like just like when that guy is on fire, like you look at Halloween or something, like how simple the staging is and how terrifying simple things can be. This movie is so full of that. But then I think to myself sitting in the movie theater, Whoa, (laughs) what's, where are we going with this movie? Mm. And then where we go, I find to be very disappointing because first of all, I can't stop thinking like, what's this dude's plan? You know, (laughs) He's going to yeah. be locked in the room with her the whole time because he's locked in the room. You know, yeah. if she's in the room and he's in the room, does he not have to pee ever? You know, what's the plan here? He's just going to be locked in the room because the door's locked. He doesn't have a magical unless he stole a key. I guess we can imagine that he yeah, he's a super stole the key. And, and yeah. there's a but there's no way to unlock the door from the inside. I don't know. <laughs> All of that. Just like I, I start going, what's this dude's end game? What's this plan? He's just going to. He's so obsessed with her that he's just going to sit in the room waiting for her to do something that he doesn't like. And of course that happens, but it's not even that, that all that stuff. I, I was like, ah, oh, that's frustrating. Cause I just don't, I don't, it just it stops making any right. real sense. And it just well, becomes a monster movie. Uh, can can I defend, where, I want to hear what you have to say next, but can I defend that point for a second? Is that okay? Or sure. Uh, so just in the movie's defense, right? I think like, it, it adds to Elizabeth Moss's character's paranoia is of like, maybe he's not in the room all the time. Maybe he's only in there some yeah, of the time. And like, yeah. you just don't know. And that that's like kind of part of the terror of the movie is you just don't know. Um, no, so, I get it. Yeah. Okay. You, she doesn't know. I, I can understand from her perspective, but from her, <laughs> his perspective, why would he ever be in the room? I, like, I don't think the, a, the obsession cell. is rational. And that I think that is the, the heart of the obsession too. Like she doesn't even know why, he is so into like why her of all people, like even she doesn't quite get it. I, I, there's a lot of really, like really interesting things happening here with the psychology of this, of the bad guy. Basically. I think the, the unspoken reason is that be, it's because she is normal that she, she can be more easily controlled in his opinion. Right. 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 Um, and that's, that's what is like, if she was like a celebrity who had like vast resources, you know, like it would be different for her. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's one of the heartbreaking aspects of this movie is her, um, that monologue where she's like, "Why me? You've taken everything, you know." And like, but that's that's really that's that's his kind of that's part of his endgame. All yeah. that said, Jeff, I agree with you. It does get into pretty wacky territory after that, right? Yeah, and th- I mean, that's not even really like I said, like I was starting to say, that's yeah. not even really my main gripe. Is that what what happens next? Is that it just becomes, I mean, he literally has some sort of monster growl at, after, at a certain point. And it just, and he has super strength somehow and he's doing things that it just becomes a really rote monster movie to me uh, after that. And I, I am bummed because I wanted it to be this more intellectual horror that it starts out as. And it, it really feels like the movie just switches gears after she gets put into the, to the incarceration uh, and becomes this very um, less intelligent shocker slasher monster movie, and uh, and that's a bummer to me. 
it, think... it does feel like the movie like was always headed there is a the thing like yeah it, it is sort of inevitable after that patient payoff like setup that you have to you have to have some sort of explosive payoff but uh yeah go ahead dave well i think the part of the movie that's like pretty dumb is the ending <laughs> the ending is just so yeah so yeah. essentially right do we we all agree that we think adrian was actually behind the whole thing is that do we all yes. agree that yes. right yes which i think i think this i don't know i would have preferred if the twist was that it was the brother the whole time i think that would have been cool yeah, if that, that would have been good. literally dead if he'd if he'd literally been dead the whole time and the brother had a crush on uh, Elizabeth Moss, and this is the only way he could get. Like, I would have thought that would have been a more, much more interesting twist. Um, Agreed. But Agreed. the movie wants to twist again after yeah, that. I, I actually don't mind that because it does kind of it continues with the theme of him basically, you know, gaslighting her in a way too. Like even even the other thing she thought was true is not quite true. Right. So it's just, uh, yeah. his plan it's just, was it's always. It's one too many. It's one too many yeah. twists in my opinion. Because like the moment when she takes off the mask and it's not Adrian is is, yeah. is like a great holy shit moment in my opinion. But as you said, Jeff, like the movie is not content with just that. It's like <laughs> no, it's got to get in two more twists in there. Right. Not only yeah. was it not Adrian the whole time, but because because then you could have been like ended the movie there. It's not Adrian. Adrian's actually dead. You know, it's the brother doing some weird shit. Uh, it's, it's a cool way to also make it like how how did he fake his own death? No, he didn't. He really died. Like that's <laughs> yeah. it makes it makes the whole thing seem much more plausible. Where it's like, oh, that yeah, you saw the picture of the dead body. You saw the the or, you know all of the steps that we don't get explained as to how people bought that he was dead. All of a sudden, don't have to be explained because he was literally dead. And I was like, "Oh, you're a smart movie." But then the movie's like, "No, no, he's also not dead. <laughs> he's also not dead. He's somehow been in in his basement the entire time. <laughs> somehow sealed in his basement. Se- sealed in his basement. Sealed. Um, seemingly well, which, tied which, up. Is that the plan? The plan was that he was going to. He was always going to throw his brother under the bus on this, and. At some point, he knew somehow that he was going to be able to seal himself inside yes, the basement. Yes, yes. To throw I mean, his brother he, under he the created, bus. He created some of the best like optic technology in the world. So like, I think we can assume he uh, can figure out a way to convincingly seal himself in his basement. Um, but enough, it's just yeah. like, so he, has he enough. been there the whole time, like orchestrating this? Or and, and then the question is, why wouldn't his place have been searched after? He was dead. You know what I mean? Like when people they were going to search the walls, right? I don't know. It didn't seem like they needed. To, it didn't seem like he was like they had to like break through something. It, it was, was like, like a piece of wood. Something. It looked like yeah, right. So yeah. so yeah, when all of the yeah, when all of the hundreds of cops were marching through there, they're like, hey, did anybody hear anything in the walls? <laughs> did anyone hear we someone screaming this morning? <laughs> like yeah, but yeah, um, he clearly wasn't there. Like that that is part of the whole setup, right? But, is that that happened at the last minute and. You know, yeah. But, so they hang, they kind of hand wave away, like how he was dead and like sure. alive the whole time or whatever. But I just think the movie doesn't really make sense. It, th- that last part doesn't really make sense if the brother is behind it. And when we we're talking about the brother, we're talking about Adrian's brother, right? Um, right. And why would Adrian give a crap about whether or not, <laughs> you know, uh, why would Adrian's brother give a crap about whether or not Adrian's child was born you know what i mean like that just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me if adrian is dead right mm-hmm. also you, the movie seems to make the revelation that she's pregnant a surprise to even adrian right yeah they were all surprised no they didn't know none of it because i felt like if adrian knew ahead of time it would have made the whole movie 
make much more sense to me. If, mm-hmm. if she's like, why are you so obsessed with me? And we find out that the reason she, he was so obsessed with her the whole time was that he knew she was pregnant and she didn't. Well, he did. He did stop the birth control he, pill. So maybe yeah. there was another like maybe, yeah, he could have told at some point. But the, I don't think the movie explicitly says that. So then we get to the final scene where Adrian and uh, uh, Cecilia have the confrontation and Adrian kind of subtly conveys to her that she's telling the truth. Right. She right, says yeah. he says something like, you know, yep. our, our life will have many more surprises, a.k.a. Wink, our wink. code word. And then uh, that kind of gives Elizabeth Moss the OK to go and uh, and murder him to go in the other room, <laughs> get the suit on yep that is made for his body specifications yeah, that somehow fits her yep <laughs> yeah turn it on in a way she's never done before but somehow knows how to uh walk out <laughs> kill him go back take it off put her dress back on and her makeup and hair are perfect exactly as she left them having been in a skin tight skull cap <laughs> yep. suit by the way by the way the suit looks awesome Yes. I love the look of the suit also because I know uh, yeah, we are we are actually testing like optical imagery technology things that could eventually lead to something actually being invisible or, you know, in a similar sense. But I love just the uh, the array of cameras. It is uh, yeah, what is look- that thing for people who hate uh, seeing holes in yeah, objects? Uh, trip- trypophobia or something. Yeah, like that? it is like the tryptophobia nightmare. Of, yeah. of a camera suit it's amazing yeah tri- uh trypophobia you know, is like yeah yes. a I, I agree i got like kind of i have mild trypophobia so i got kind of like <laughs> you know shivers when i saw that suit but here's yeah. what i love about the suit is i don't think they do anything to explain how it works and that's no, great that's great to. i love it. Optics. optics i love it yeah it's just like you kind of see it it's it, it, just seeing it you can kind of invent for yourself a story of how it works and but that's, you can also yeah. easily wash it off in the sink. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that part kind of sucked. Because, like, there's this amazing moment. It's in the trailer when she throws the paint on him. And it is, like, yeah. a shocking moment when she throws the paint on yeah, him. Yeah, it's awesome. And I was like, All oh, of that stuff, dude, that whole house sequence yeah. is yeah. so good. All of that stuff is so good. And, you know, like, the the f- discovering of the phone upstairs, all, like, that entire... And, the, and then leading up to that big fight in the kitchen... Which felt like, oh man, it, it just felt like the movie was doing, it was hitting on all cylinders at that point. <laughs> and, and, you know, it didn't need to turn into like shooting, you know, super strength, you know, taking out five guards. What I don't know dude if he can super take strength, out five but guards? He's, I don't know if he's very, very strong, but he, you know, he has the advantage of them not seeing <laughs> yes. anything. Yes, so but he could do whatever he wants. If I don't see you, if I don't see you around the corner and I'm holding a gun and you try to put my gun on my own knee, <laughs> I, I'm going to resist that a little bit. Je- Jeff right? is just extremely confident about his ability to take on yeah. an invisible man. We're going to have to put really. you in a, in a situation, Jeff, where you have to deal with a lot of this. And we'll, we'll see I, how you I, this is like. This is like when uh, Charlie Theron and Prometheus was like not was like not running away from the collapsing tower. You're like, why couldn't you in that moment? <laughs> think to run away from the collapsing tower. <laughs> I think I think that serpentine it. I think that, you know, it's uh we can't know. Here's what I'll agree. Uh, I'll say this, Jeff. I I think you're being a little bit hard on these people uh who <laughs> didn't know how to defend themselves against invis- an invisible man, but I do agree with you that invisible man was a little bit OP. You know, like Well, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not hard on the people. I'm saying that the way the movie portrays it is he turns into a supervillain for a, for a little while. How is he how is he breathing in this how is he not making noise in this you know, like he's just like yeah. super overpowered in the movie. 
right? Um, so I mean, yeah, if he, if he fact, can cancel I, I thought, imagery, do, by the way, I, I assumed he could cancel a certain amount of sound or something because that is tech we actually have right oh, now. Oh, that's true. You that's can true. you can locally so, cancel sound. Yeah, optics expert. Vindra, not a uh, you know, not a noise canceling yeah. headphones here. Expert. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the movie does such does so much heavy lifting to get us to know that it's going to rain a lot in in L.A. And then it doesn't do the thing. It doesn't even do the thing that it sets up, which is the outline of the rain on the Invisible Man. I don't agree. You do you see you do see him in the outline a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not really? No, a little bit. Dave. It doesn't do. For all of that setup of like <laughs> planting the news report and knowing there's gonna oh we got big waves big <laughs> storm coming through you know I'm like oh yeah I know you're headed Invisible Man movie I know what we're gonna see we're gonna see that creepy moment where she stands in the rain and then the rain has a human outline on it no we do not get that and I don't understand why it did so much effort to establish there was gonna be rain to not even deliver that moment to to pull the rug out from under you. Yeah, well, speaking yeah. of pulling the rug out, like this is a very minor spoiler for Upgrade. So, Jeff, if you haven't seen it and want to see it, why don't you take off your headphones for like 10 seconds? Very minor spoiler. But basically, uh, I'll, I'll say the ending of Upgrade is similar to the end of this movie. Because, and I, yeah. I, listen, I yeah. listen to the commentary of Upgrade, and he basically is like, I love these endings. I love these endings where you see the ending <laughs> and you recontextualize the entire thing. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it was this way all along. And I think he tried to do that here as well. And I just didn't, I, I thought it hurt the actual piece. But Devendra, you you seem to be the biggest fan of this movie. Like, how did you feel about the ending where she takes control of the narrative and, and ends up murdering Adrian? To me, like, I think on a, you know, on a thematic level, I think that makes the most amount of sense because this is a movie that's essentially about somebody escaping an abuser dealing with the trauma of you know leaving him like they, we didn't even talk about I, I love that this movie just spends time with her uh and her friend's house just doing simple things like trying to go outside and finding the strength to do that so i think in in that empowerment respect the ending it, it, it feels to me um satisfying in the way like a revenge movie would uh i don't know if it makes the most sense because the cops already know that this tech for invisible like, things happening and you know that are invisible, they know that's out there. Seeing this guy killed in a very like a, I, I don't know if they would assume he would just do that after having dinner with this woman that you know maybe she mentioned. I don't know if she even mentioned that he was abusing her or something. There, there's a lot like there's a lot of shadiness. I don't think her escape is very clean. But I, I, what happens kind of worked for me. Well, just like how, well, how does the legal system approach? Yes, a, a, yes. A, a world-altering discovery of this magnitude, <laughs> right? Which is people can be invisible now. Like that would fundamentally change yeah. what we perceive as possible in terms of the legal system. And uh, the movie doesn't really touch on any of that. But I, I'm fine with the actual overall arc of the main character. She gets her revenge at the end, and mm -hmm. she kind of is emerging physically emerging from this like underground lair and like triumphing. And that's fine. I just and another excellent underground lair, by the way, Lee Wanell really loves those. He's loves really yeah, cool. A lot yeah. of similarities with upgrade here. A lot of similarities, but yeah. So, uh, fi fine with that arc for Cecilia. Just wasn't a fan of the way that is just like twist after twist. And, and, and basically right, right. instead of enjoying the ending and her triumph, I'm thinking, 
so how did that work again with Adrian Undergrad? You know, like that's all I'm thinking about, and I don't want to be thinking about that. You know, um, I I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know, I don't know, guys. Like I was I was along for the ride. I understand it could be like t- a twist upon twist, but to me, it felt it felt fun in a way um, where these thrillers you want you kind of you kind of want them to do different things. And if it was just the brother, like the brother did it, seems like a very pat to end, uh, <laughs> uninteresting way of like you know tying this whole thing up because i've seen a lot of like uh ashley judd movies that are feel very similar <laughs> to this you know yeah i've seen <laughs> kiss the girls um yeah this felt different and i appreciate that Fair i'm with you though dave i was sitting there on the end going who could be who could possibly be in the suit right now because we have we've established the friend is outside so what other characters are in this movie and then it's like oh it was her no, I mean, there's no way she had the time. She hit it there. She hit it there. Yeah, <laughs> she hit it. There's there. no way she had the time to get I'm into that. I'm more surprised suit. he didn't like realize his invis- his other prototype invisible suit was missing. <laughs> yeah. Like at yeah. some point, when you check on that sucker, yeah, yeah. yeah or wouldn't the police have the come in after he killed himself and like checked yeah. everything out? Anyway, it it doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny in my opinion. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. It, the the rest of the movie is really good. And also, by the way. Uh, movie does a really good job of explaining if you were invisible, how you would frame someone for murder. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. you'd uh, look over their uh, uh, look over their shoulder to figure out what their password is. Write emails as them threatening someone. Uh, yeah. Get them into a public place where everyone can see this terrible thing happening, and uh, and there you go. And and that's terrifying because I mean, it's even terrifying. The, even the just like smacking the girl in the room, that to me was like. How do you say I didn't do that? You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. That moment to me was 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 even worse than the murder. I was just like, yeah, dude, it was, you could just punch someone in the face. And they'd be like, <laughs> why did you punch me in the face? I didn't. What do you mean you didn't? <laughs> uh, and th- that's interesting because like most of the time when you see um, invisible people, like again in Hollow Man, they go straight to the over terror. You know what I mean? Like they don't, yeah, right. they don't do the long game of we're going to leave a paper trail saying you're going to murder this person, you know? Uh, right. But yeah, it's, it's really terrifying. The idea of an invisible man and this movie really brings out what that idea is, is uh, what that idea's potential is. So yeah, I great. just hope we get the sequel. I, I want to see the invisible woman. I want to see it. All right. It's possible. It's possible. This movie is a hit basically. So, well, this is the beginning of the dark universe is what I'm understanding. Right. Uh, no. We'll talk, about uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it during the next After Dark. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's going to bring us to the end of this review of The Invisible Man. You can find more episodes of this show at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. It was uh, the spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Stay tuned to what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Jeff Kanata, where can you find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have a video game podcast that you can listen to it's called dlc you can find that at five by five dot tv slash dlc or anywhere you get podcasts and i also do a live play dungeons and dragons show actually this last week's episode was i think a great jumping on point if you've been curious about the show you can just jump on episode 38 i believe it is called uh the augury of the elders very fun episode really funny first half where the team is trying to get these lava lizards out of a volcano. <laughs> they turn into apes and they start flying around, picking them up. It was great fun. Hey, so check that happens. out. It's called The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. 
or you can uh, find it as an audio podcast. It works great as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get podcasts. I also, I'm also told we are now on Tesla. We're on TuneIn on Tesla, Ooh. so that's good. And uh, also you can watch it live if you want to watch it live and participate. Uh, viewers participate in the show uh, on The Dungeon Run. You can do that Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Doing your hardware? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. Uh, check out the Engadget podcast. I just interviewed Anne Dryan, the uh, co-creator of the Cosmos TV show, about that upcoming next season. She's amazing and really a really interesting person to talk to in this time of like hopelessness. So check that out. Uh, check out my YouTube channel uh, on youtube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. Uh, a lot of film stuff there, a lot of commentary stuff there, a lot of reviews. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. All right. Next week uh, on our What We've Been Watching and After Dark episode, we're going to talk about Onward. We're going to talk about Giri Haji. We're going to talk about Freaks, Love is Blind, and a bunch of other things. So that's what you have to look forward to on the next episode of the Slash Homecast. We'll see you next week. We watch the movies. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.